My name is Eric Evans and I sell fruit and vegetables. What church do you attend? This one here, this one here. I, I've been coming since before they built it because um, I started in the Sunday school. When they built it, it was Cronulla Methodist, then it was Cronulla Uniting, and now it's New Beginnings Uniting Cronulla. I've been here longer than the building. Longer than the building. Yeah. A moment when God has used me unexpectedly. Um, it happens all the time, if, you, if you're aware of it. And it's not always spectacular. It's, it's often little things and you'll be in conversation with someone and, um, and it might not be for years that you find out. You know, I, I've, I've heard of someone come back like 30 years later and they remember something that I've said uh, about God. And you think, wow, I had no idea. If you're coming along every Sunday to church, even when it's quiet, we're getting someone new every second Sunday. And it's not just the people out the front that are having an impact. They're not the only ones that God is using. It's everyone in the seat so that when they come to the door, they think, oh, this looks worth following up on. It's the people who welcome them in. It's the people who talk to them at morning tea. It's the people who make the coffee. And if you're paying attention, you can see that no matter what we're doing, God's doing us so much more. And we're not driving the bus, we just have to get on the bus. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. How's everyone going? Hi, hi. How are we going? Are we going good? Yes, excellent. We're going good. Great. It's good to be here. It's good to see everyone. Welcome to our second week on our new sermon series, Who? Me? God Calling Unexpected People. And see, the who me is the very question here. It's the very question that we're asking. It's, it's, it's what it's all about. It's God going you and saying, I choose you, and you're standing there going, me? Really? Really? You're going to choose me to do this? See, today we're looking at the, the call of people, and that's, and that's the series that we're exploring, God calling people, and today we're specifically looking at Moses. Now, not only are we looking at the characters and the people in the Bible, but we're actually uh, presenting, as you just saw in our, in our little intro video, um, stories, your stories, everyone's stories here. And people's stories are greater than any sort of movie or TV show that you'll ever watch, ever hear. And I think it's important for us to hear the biblical characters. That's really important. But it's also really important to hear the peers around you because their stories are so, so important as well. And so I encourage you that that was just a snippet that we saw of, of Eric and that after the service, jump onto the website, watch the full uh, nine-minute, ten-minute video because it's, it's just so, so good. And thank you, Eric, for sharing your story and allowing us to capture your story so that we can share it for everyone. And if you feel compelled to 
uh, that you want to share your story, your story to everyone, um, come see myself, come see Alyssa, and we'll happily organize a time where we can capture your story so we can share it with everyone. So let me just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come here today. Thank you that we can come and worship here today, whether that be in the building or online or during service or post-service, whenever it is, thank you that we can come and we can worship with you, Lord. And um, I pray that we, we hear your word, that the word comes out today and that we think that you can, that we can hear your word today, Lord. We can hear what Moses had today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, it's been quite a long time since we've actually done an Old Testament Story. We've we've sat in Mark for or the entirety of Mark, and and that's been great. But it's 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 been a while since we've done an Old Testament story, and we have this tendency sometimes to always sort of sit in the New Testament, and that's great. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with with just have like sitting in the New Testament, and you know you can go either or. But I really enjoy coming back to the Old Testament. I, I really find the Old Testament really epic and grand. The, the stories are just so amazing. And I think what's more important, more importantly, the Old Testament grounds the New Testament. It gives it that weight for the New Testament. See, when Jesus, in the New Testament, when Jesus preaches, he refers back to the Old Testament. Or the, and, and, further, and further on in the New Testament, it all refers back to the Old Testament. It's giving that weight, that gravitas to it. Now, the Old Testament, just, it's just epic. It has battles, it has war, it has loves, it has kings, it's slaves, resolution, battles, conflicts, floods, you name it, it has it. It's got, it's got, it's got it all. Now, we're specifically looking at the book of Exodus today and specifically looking at Moses and the call, the call of Moses. And there is a lot of stuff in Exodus. Exodus is a huge book, and lots of things happen in Exodus. And we could sift through it all, but we would be here for ages. And we're just going to look at the first half of Exodus, and then specifically, like I said, the call of uh, Moses' life in Egypt. So the first half of Exodus, Moses' life in Egypt, and then specifically, Moses' call. Now, Moses, for, you know, maybe some of you, is one of those characters which is really, like, he's, he's a very well-known character. And I know, for me, I remember learn, learning about Moses in uh, kids' church or um, Sunday school. But if you don't know the story of Exodus that well, I'm going to give a broad overview of just the first half of the book. Um, and I encourage you to actually go, go ahead afterwards and, and read Exodus. Actually, even if you know the story, and, and like I did, I knew the story of it, and I knew Moses' story, but it wasn't until I went back and actually reread it that I was like, oh, there's, there's so much new stuff that actually comes out of it when you actually go back and you read it. So I encourage you to go, go ahead, reread it, even if, you, even if you know it, because there's so much stuff that you can actually pull out of it. So I'm going to give you a broad overview of the first half. So the word exodus means a mass departure of people. And you'll understand why the book is called Exodus in a second. So Exodus is the second book in the Bible. It goes Genesis, and then it goes Exodus. 
And we have to, so we, look, we have to start with Abraham. So Abraham, who is in Genesis, he has his family. And so this family flourishes, it grows, it multiplies, and they become the Israelite people. They then move to Egypt, where they live alongside the Egyptian people. And so 400 years pass, and the Egyptians and the Israelite people, they're living together, but the Egyptian pharaoh, he feels threatened by these Israelite people. They're multiplying, they're spreading, and he feels this, this, this threat of this ever-growing Israelite people. And so what does the Egyptian pharaoh do? He enslaves the Israelite people, and he gets the newborns, and he throws them into the Nile River. So essentially, the pharaoh is executing the newborn Israelite babies. Now, one of the Israelite mothers tries to hide her baby, and she's doing that for a little bit until she can no longer hide her baby. And so she puts it into a basket, put, puts it into the river, and sends it down the river, hoping for the best. Now, that basket ends up floating to, um, by Pharaoh's daughter. She picks up the baby and takes the baby as her own son. This baby is Moses. Moses then grows up, he, becomes, he grows up, becomes a man, and he lives in the court of Pharaoh. He's learning the customs of the Egyptian way, the Egyptian people. He is by birth an Israelite, but essentially at this point in time, he's becoming an Egyptian, just purely by the customs and being brought up. Now, Moses, one, one day, the, the Israelite people are still enslaved, Moses goes over and, he's, and he sees the Israelite people, goes and goes and looks on, uh, on them. And he sees that one of these, these Israelite men are getting, is getting beaten up by an, an, a, an Egyptian. And so sort of angrily and when no one's looking, he gets his sort of revenge and he kills the Egyptian man. Now, out of fear, he runs uh, out of Egypt. He flees Egypt because he's... he's he fears that Pharaoh will find out and Pharaoh eventually finds out. And he fears for his own life of what the repercussions are going to be for essentially murdering someone. So he flees Egypt and he, as a fugitive, he travels to Midian. There he meets his wife and, his and he has a family and he becomes a shepherd. And for, for Moses, life is pretty simple at this point. He has a flock of sheep, he's a shepherd, he's just living a simple life. See, at this point, Moses survives as a baby, gets raised into the court of, of Pharaoh's court, kills a man, flees, flees Egypt, becomes a shepherd. Now, Moses at this point in his life is so humble. He's humbled himself out in the wilderness. He, he looks after this flock of sheep, but... It's not his flock of sheep. He doesn't even own his own flock of sheep. It's someone else's. It's his father-in-law's. You know, he's so humble in his own self that he, he doesn't even own his own sheep. He's, he's willing to look after everyone else's sheep. And in this instance, it's his father-in-law's flock of sheep. And for Moses, he thinks, all right, this is the end of the story. This is going to be his life and, and this is all it. But no, no, no. God has other plans for Moses here. This is only the first half of Moses' journey. 
And so as we go through, and as we heard in the Bible reading, Moses comes across a burning bush. From there, God presents himself in the burning bush. He get, and he calls Moses, and he's going to use Moses to release his people out of slavery, out of Egypt. And so Moses, with the help of his brother, he goes over to Pharaoh, and he demands that he let the Israelite people go. And he's got this grand plan of going, We're going to, I want the Israelites out of Egypt. And what does Pharaoh do? Nah. Pharaoh doubles down. He's like, no, 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 we ain't going to do this. He refuses. And in refusing, he punishes the Israelite people even further. And the Israelite people, they're angry at Moses. They're angry at Moses and his brother. And essentially, they're saying to Moses, you've given Pharaoh the sword and now a reason to use it. Discouraged, Moses goes back to God and God goes, all right, I'm going to put my foot down now. I'm going to show my mighty hand. And God sends 10 plagues upon the... Uh, on, uh, sorry. God sends 10 plagues upon the Egyptian people. And every time Pharaoh goes, no, I will not let your people go. And so it's really interesting because I was doing a bit of sort of research into this and I didn't realize that the, that the 10 plagues or the, the plagues that were sent had all this symbolic meaning, had this representation, and I encourage you to look into it because I didn't realize that each plague represented an Egyptian god. But by God sending these plagues, he was essentially saying, I have power over these Egyptian gods. And I found that really fascinating um, and really interesting. And, and it sort of gave it more of that, like I said before, that weight of, of, of why everything was happening. Now, the final plague, and Pharaoh is just going, nah, 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 I ain't going to let your people go. Now, the final plague is the Passover. This is where the angel of death would come and kill the firstborn son of every family unless you painted your doorframe with the blood of a spotless lamb. And for those that remember, we just had Easter, and so we just had the, the Last Supper, and we had our Passover meal on that uh, Easter weekend. And see, this is the first Passover. This is where that tradition comes from. It comes from Exodus. As Exodus. And each year after, afterwards, the Israelite people would reflect over the Passover and then have that meal each year to remember it. And, and through the ages, it has gone over. And so that from the meal, that, the Passover meal that we had, this is, where it, this is where it comes from. Now, Passover happens and one of the sons is Pharaoh's son and Pharaoh's son dies. In his grief, Pharaoh finally lets the Israelite people go. Israelite people, they exit, or they, there's a mass exodus. They leave, they go. Now, Pharaoh is angry at this point, and he's, he goes and he makes chase. He's going to chase after him because he's like, all right, well, we've let the people go. He's like, but hang on, no, 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 I want my revenge now. So he's going to go after these Israelite people. And through, so God, through Moses, he parts the Red Sea the Israelite escapes through the Red Seas, but the Egyptian people, they're making chase. The Red Sea comes down and the Egyptians don't get them. And now the Israel people are free. They're gone. We go, yay, excellent, they're gone. 
They're able to get out of Egypt, and that's really good. And so at this point in the story, this is where we get our first song of praise. Now, this is only the first half of the book of Exodus. There's a whole second bit where they're in the wilderness and they're doing their thing, but we're not even going to touch that because there's so much in that 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 requires a whole other series to, to look at. So we're only going to, today we're only going to look at this first half, this bit of Moses' life in Egypt and specifically at the court. So we've got our big overview of what happens and now we're just going to look at Moses' call. So we're going to just quickly reread Exodus 3, 1 to 6 and then 10 to 12. So now Moses was tending the flock of Jerotho's, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Herbo, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaiah, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So then we're going to skip forward. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And there, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. You see, this, the burning bush captures Moses' attention. See, it's kind of like for us driving down the highway and you see a car crash. You can't look away. Even if, even if you want to, it's sort of your eyes gravitate to looking at what's just happened. It draws your attention in. And it's, and it's funny because God knows exactly what we need to get our attention. And see, for Moses, it was a bush on fire. The bush on fire, but it was not burning. It was speaking to him. It was calling out his name. And see, it says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from in the middle of the bush. And Moses staring in amazement. And you can imagine sort of the bushes on fire here and Moses back here going, wow. Like, and even though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said. And he's like, in wonder, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it, you know. And so the bush is there and it's going up. And it's captured his attention. God knew that this would capture Moses' attention. And it's, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been uncommon for a bush just to randomly combust in the desert. But it, was, it was quite rare. But for this to happen, he's like, oh, it's caught his attention and then it calls out to him. And see, Moses goes up and, it's, 
And this is where God presents himself to Moses and instructs Moses to go see Pharaoh. But what does Moses do? Does Moses just go, yep, we're going to do it? No. Moses protests. He's like, no, no, God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And this is a fair question because at this point, this is where Moses is saying, who? Me? You want me to go do this? See, Moses is a man plagued by his own past. He's, if, if he goes back to Egypt, he's, he's a fugitive. He's fleed Egypt. He's no longer... Who, who is Moses to speak to Pharaoh? He's no longer a noble official, a high-up official. He's no longer a dignitary. All Moses is is a shepherd. But God counters this. God says, I will be with you. You see, it's not that it's not that the importance of who Moses is, but who is sending him. Let me rephrase that. It is not important who we are, but who is sending us. Let me rephrase that again. It is not important who I am but who is sending me? It's not important who I am, but who is sending me. See, God is calling us, and it's God who's calling us. He is sending us. Moses is this very sort of relatable character in this instant. He, he doesn't just say yes straight away to God. And I think that's really sort of important and, and relatable for us to sort of hear. And I just want to sort of read to you a couple of times where Moses protests against God. Because it's not just a straightaway, yes, I'm going to go do this. So we have our first one where, where Moses protests against God and says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? We go further into the, the story here and Moses protests again. What if they don't believe me? Then going, you know, even, even further, Moses is going, he's not even, at, at this point, he's, he's not even protesting. It's further along. It's Moses is pleading with the Lord. He's pleading with the Lord. And you can imagine at this point, he, the burning bushes is, is there, and he's on his knees. He's going, I, oh Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with my words. I have never been and I'm not even now, though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. He's pleading with him at this moment. It's almost like cowering, going, I, I just, Lord, why me? Why am I to do this? And it's quite funny because I, I can relate. To, to this, even even in the the, the tongue-tied bit, my, my words get tongue-tied and get messed around. And see, Moses again is pleading, going, "Lord, please send someone else." He doesn't want to do it. We go even even further, and Moses further into the story, he's gone to Pharaoh with his brother. And it hasn't worked. Even, for, like, even more, it's made the situation worse because the Israelite people, the people he's meant to lead, 
Well, they've now gone against him. They're like, no, 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 you caused our misery now. They've, they've turned against Moses and his brother. And you've got Moses, well, that, that would discourage anyone, really. And, you know, Moses going, why have you brought all this trouble on our own people, Lord? Why did you send me? He's going, why? And then even further, he's going, Moses, he's, he's pleading, but now he's arguing with the Lord. It even, it's, it's not just a simple, yes, I'm going to do it. He's now arguing, going, I can't do this. I can no longer do this anymore. See, Moses argues with the Lord saying, I can't do it. I'm such a clumsy spinker. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? Multiple times, Moses is saying, why me? Why does it have to be me? It's not even a who me at this point. It's a why me at this point. Why are you sending me? Send someone else. And it even goes as far to be like, I can't do this anymore. And see, this is so telling for our own lives too. And and I want you to think about your own life and, and reflect over your own sort of journey through life. Because have and, and think about the times where you've uttered those words, where you've gone, why does it have to be me? Or even, I can't do this anymore. See, I know for me, there's been multiple times where I've had that thought, and specifically at my old work, at my old job, I was the marketing guy, I was the marketing lead, but I'd never been trained in marketing or done any sort of marketing whatsoever. I had been trained in film and TV, but not marketing. And so my boss would get me to do all these different things. And sometimes I would get so overwhelmed where I'd be like, I can't do it. I'm not a marketing person. I can't do this. But see, like like Moses, there, there are multiple times in life where we question ourselves and, and we want to just throw in the towel. And I want us to remember sort of two points. Two points where these moments in life where we just want to give up. And see, the first, our first point to remember is to trust in God. Trust in God. And, and it may seem simple enough just to say, and for me just to say, just, just trust in God. It's, it's, it's easy enough, but think of Moses. Every time he was like, I can't do this. Why does it have to be? Every time Moses argued with God, what did he do? He stuck it out. He still went ahead and did it. He did everything that God had asked him to do. See, Moses put his trust in the Lord and so do we. Even when we want to throw him in the towel. Isaiah 26, 3-4 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All those thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is, is the eternal rock. God is our rock. The person that we can lean on. He is the eternal rock. 
And see, the second point, and the reason why we can trust in God and put that trust in God is because He's always with us. God is always with us. See, God said to Moses, I am with you. God said to Moses, I will be with both of you as you speak. God said to Moses, I will instruct you to say what you need to say. See, it was because of God, because God was with Moses, he was able to confront Pharaoh. It was because God was with Moses that Moses knew what to say. It was because God was with Moses, he was able to lead his people out of slavery. We need to remember that God is always with us. See, I have this tendency to think, when we think of Moses and I know I always think that he's this sort of triumph, triumphant leader, that he's this big person, that he's this person that led his people out of slavery, led his people out of Egypt, but Moses struggled in the beginning. He really struggled. And that's sort of, in a weird way, nice for us to hear because it means that it's okay for us to struggle okay for us to struggle when the times are tough because we're not perfect in it all and we need to remember that God is with us even in the struggles 1 Corinthians 2 3 to 5 says I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling my message my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. On God's power. Trust in the power of God. See, Moses' time in exile in facing Pharaoh was far from perfect. But God was with him every single step of the way. And he will be with you in every single step of the way. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Romans 8.11 says this, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just like Moses Sorry, just like God set Moses and the Israelites free. By placing our trust in Jesus, He will set us free. Even when we want to throw in the towel, we know that through Jesus' resurrection and the trust that we place in Him, He will be with us always. So I just want you to remember to put your trust in God, because He will always be with you. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can hear from your servant Moses. 
that even when he got tongue-tied, even when he just did not want to do this, wanted to throw in the towel, was like, why does it have to be me and I can't do this, that you were there with him, Lord, and that even though when we want to throw in the towel, that you're there with us, that you sent your son to be there with us and that he is always with us, Allow us to remember that, to be able to put your trust in you, Lord God, because you are always with us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray.